Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels, recorded at Wolfman Studios in Little Rock, Arkansas. Christy Seats is with me again this episode, and our guest is Holly Rocket. I do need to give a content warning for this episode. It could be triggering for some people. Holly talks about bipolar, domestic abuse, and the healing power of music. Okay, Holly Rocket. I just love that name. (laughs) It rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. And I'm also here with Christy Seats. Thank you so much for coming back, Christy. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, I'm just waiting for the day when she's like, no, I've had enough. Um, Holly, let's let's just dive into uh, let's dive into mental illness, because that's what this is all about. Yeah. So you told me you have bipolar one, right? Yes. So take me back to when you first got diagnosed. Oh, well, I was diagnosed wrong a whole bunch oh. of times before I ever got the right diagnosis. And the first time I was diagnosed, they di- diagnosed me with depression. And they thought I just had postpartum depression. Oh. Uh, my parents would say that I was mentally ill way before that. Uh, I asked to go to therapy when I was 16. I was like, something's wrong with me. So your and parents knew, but they wouldn't let you go to therapy? No, they took me to therapy. Oh, but the therapist would just be like, she makes good grades. She's doing well. My parents were like, but she's off the... <laughs> she won't stop making art all day and night. And then she sleeps for two days and won't go to school. And they're like, eh, she's an artist. <laughs> Diagnosed are... as an artist. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think Van Gogh uh, had that, and so medic, and they didn't. But this was also the '90s, and they didn't medicate people under the age of 18 for bipolar. Now yeah. they're getting kind of over that, um, from what I hear, mm-hmm. and from so, a couple of classes I took at UALR. Um, but the first actual diagnosis I got of uh, bipolar, it should have been immediately after the Prozac made me go. <laughs> If you take Prozac when you are depressed as a bipolar person, you're going to hit that mania and it's going to skyrocket your mania. And I moved to North Dakota. So you moved to North Dakota because you were manic? Yeah. I gave up custody of my son to his father and I moved to North Dakota. It was like a really, like nobody took that as a big bad sign. When I had been raising my son, he was almost three years old. Wow. It was right before his third birthday. And uh, then I came back. I, Man, I did a bunch of crazy stuff. I hung out with people that I, I would just hang out with anyone. Uh, go home with people, stay up for two days and just go running around the city. Uh, lucky a lot of bad things didn't happen to me. Some did. Um, but it could have been worse, in my opinion. Um and uh, I finally got diagnosed in 2004 after I took off to California. I like just drove to California with my boyfriend, who was also mentally ill. Wow. In a blizzard. <laughs> in a blizzard. Yeah. Uh, drove through the Rocky Mountains and went to oh, San Francisco. Mm. I spent... Halloween on Donner's Summit in a blizzard and I kept thinking this is probably the scariest Halloween 
<laughs> like, what if we get snowed in at a rest stop on Donner's Summit? Oh, no. <laughs> what will you do? <laughs> but we made it to San Francisco the day after Halloween, which is not what we wanted. Um, but also to just come up with that, like, on a whim and just, I'm like, <laughs> we drove in the middle of the night, woke up in Branson, Missouri, like, outside of Branson, Missouri in some really bad motel and uh jay said uh we can go back if you want i know that was kind of a big deal and i was like well i'm late for work which means i'm fired so let's just keep going wow that um (laughs) that's interesting that you say that um a lot of people know about bipolar disorder and know that it makes you do well crazy things um it makes you do things that don't make sense to other people and don't make sense to yourself after you do them. Yeah. Um, but what is the thought process when you're, when you're in that moment and you're like, I'm going to go to San Francisco. What was the thought process? Well, we were not getting along with our roommates at the time and it was causing a lot of stress and we were living in a house with no, like, uh, it was a punk house. So it had no air conditioning or heat. And, you know, like, if you get overheated and it's on a regular basis, it's got to kind of get to you as a person. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, you know, alcohol involved, too. Yeah. So uh, we something uh, something traumatic happened to him. And it wasn't it's not my business to say his stuff. And I was like, we need to get out of here because I couldn't handle it. I phys- like my mental capacity mm-hmm. was like. I don't know what to do about this. And then people were fighting. There was a big fight that broke out among these traveling kids and the people we were staying with and the people we were living with didn't like my boyfriend because he was physically abusive to me. And, uh, I mean, they had every right. (laughs) Yeah. But they didn't stop him. So, um, They're trying to get him to leave. But he was like, if you really love me, you'll take me to California. And Uh I was like, well, I do love you. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, that guy beat my face in before we drove to California, like a month or two before. That's why they wanted him to leave. Wow. So it was... You know, when you're living trauma and then you got PTSD from trauma and then there's trauma on top of trauma, like I grew up and my dad was an alcoholic. So it was like men being mean to me was, I don't know, for a long time I thought that's what meant that they liked me, Mm -hmm. which is insane. And we shouldn't teach little girls that even if they're like six, let's teach boys not to be mean to girls. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't think, like, my dad has come a long way, and he's worked through a lot of his own trauma to get to a very peaceful place, and we have a good relationship now. But, you know, to go from that, and at the time when I moved in to a place with no heater or air conditioning, I was leaving an alcoholic situation. You know, it just, and then when I was with my husband, who I had my son with, that was a really traumatic situation. My, I got pregnant, and then his mother disowned us. We, 
we went to uh, North Carolina. We came back because she got diagnosed with cancer. And I was like, you're not going to just bolt on your mom. I don't care if she hates me. And yeah, so I gave birth. His mother passed away that night. Wow. His stepdad showed up to the funeral with a 19-year-old Waffle House waitress. Yeah, gross. Like, real yeah. gross. As bad. Like, th- I have seen movies that that would make kind of a joke of this, but it was grosser than that. Mm. Um, like, he was making out with a 19-year-old Waffle House waitress at his mother's, like, at his wife's funeral, who just died uh, from cancer. And, like, Oof. my my son's father went kind of bonkers and and you know i was mentally ill so i wasn't handling well oh it was just a mess um so just continuous just Mm -hmm. mess after mess after mess and then you know i was with the guy who beat me up on a regular basis for years and i fought back so there was no when you fight back you're you're no longer seen as a victim, even if they are always mm. hitting you first. <laughs> but also, if you have all this trauma and baggage that you're carrying with you and you're mentally ill and you're not medicated, mm-hmm. the the idea that I was not toxic, pretty slim to none, okay? So I was difficult to deal with. He was difficult to deal with. We were just a big old Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Um. So... And trauma cascades through life. And I think that happens for everybody. It's you, d- you can't teach yourself how to break out of that trauma. You have to see it other places. You have to go to therapy. You know, yeah. um, how did you sort of break out of this cycle? Well, I honestly, I met some people that were actually decent, to be mm. honest. Uh, and then therapy. I've been in therapy forever. At some points, I've been kicked out of therapy. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I, um, I, I actually came in with um, two black eyes. And I had this therapist. And, and we were not a good fit. She was a very mousy, tiny lady. She seemed scared of life. Mm-hmm. And I was, regardless of how hard my life was, I kept being like, I'm not going to let this get me down. I was chumba wombying through. And uh, she, I came in with two black eyes and she said, why would you let someone do that to you? Mm. What? And I just was like, are you effing kidding wow. me? Get out of here. What is wrong with you? Are you insane? Let? Yeah. Who lets someone give them black eyes? She was like, I think you need to go to group therapy. And I said, I do not like group therapy. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, there are so many... I mean, I went to therapists and the problem was that I wouldn't like keep a job and I was in a band and I did things. I didn't just sit in my house and cry. I would yeah. cry in the yard of somebody I knew. <laughs> That's okay. At a party, get back up and be like, let's go. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? <laughs> Honestly. 
Not the way I did. And I mean, oh. lashing and wailing and ripping people's grass up. Oh, my gosh. It was so terrible. I had an old man call the cops on me one time and got really sad. He was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call the cops. But, you know, I was worried about you. Because when the cops came, they were like, he said that you said you wanted to die. And I said, yeah. And they said, are you going to commit suicide? <laughs> this is the cops. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't commit suicide. That's stupid. I just want to die. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and this... so they just leave. <laughs> I'm like, well, well there's okay. nothing we can really do. <laughs> She's just nuts. Uh, so, yeah. And, and also, like, the, the, the time I got kicked out of therapy, I was on Depakote. Now, mm. Depakote can be used for bipolar disorder, but it causes, is like number one for weight gain. And I gained 100 pounds in six months. Mm. Yeah. That had to be really uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. And one of the side effects of Depakote is that you will be, like, extremely aggravated. Mm. So it can cause that. So I was having, like, all the side effects from Depakote. And because they separate the psychiatrist from the therapist... But they need to really talk to each other, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell. Because mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. When they do that, then this therapist does not know that Depakote is causing me yeah. to gain weight, be irritable constantly, not be able to focus, that it's not a good fit as a medication for me. And a lot of the medication for bipolar does cause weight gain. Then you go to your PCP and they're like, why are you so fat? And I'm like, well, I had to choose between fat and happy or crazy and thin. And I chose fat and happy. And uh, that's another whole. I'm like, listen, we need a whole doctor. Mm -hmm. They need to know all of it because piece by piece, you guys are jerks. Okay. (laughs) Like I'm tired of explaining that, that I have to make these choices. And now I'm on a good medication that doesn't really cause weight gain. Um, but I'm on two medications that are not normally you have to take lithium and then another medication for mood stabilization, but that never worked for me. And then I had, severe allergy to well okay so some of these medications (laughs) they've been sued because they cause tardive dyskinesia yes um and i have it so i can't stay still people have thought i'm just fidgety but it's because this medication makes it so if i just sit completely still it hurts it hurts and this is from like going in and they're like no you have to be on seroquel and me being like that makes me twitch to where I can't sleep until I pass out. And it feels like I've been crucia cursed, you know, like, <laughs> um, and, and so it's so painful and you can't sleep or like this medication is supposed to help me. And, and you're, it's worse because you're twitching around all over the place and you can't sleep and you, your body is exhausted and wants to sleep because the medication makes you tired. So that's a horrible experience, and I was forced to take it for years. Oh, God. I even had my dad took me to the emergency room, and they were like, just cut the pill in half, but you have to take it. You can't just go off your meds. 
And then they, they like, I've even had arguments. Like, <laughs> I was mad when I took abnormal psychology. First off, abnormal. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, seems pretty common to me. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they said some bipolar people will be uncompliant. They're not going to be compliant about taking their medication. And I'm like, I want to not be bipolar. I promise. Mm -hmm. I want something that's going to like chill this out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, this medication ain't it. (laughs) Right. If I can't sleep because I'm twitching all night and like in pain and then it's eventually over time has caused it to where I can't stay still. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yeah. Um, Medication is difficult. And it is, I think, for a lot of people dealing with all kinds of mental health issues. Um, and Christy, I know you've been on some too. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a while to get something that doesn't make you miserable. It's like trial and error. Like, yeah. And that, unfortunately, that's the only way, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. let's try this. Nope, not going to work. What's next? You know, it's weird. But when you have doctors, especially with bipolar, they'll be like, oh, you just don't like it because you're bipolar. And bipolar people, (laughs) we were taught in school that you're not going to want to take your meds Mm because you feel like you're fine. Because that's the thing about bipolar is you're fine. Mm -hmm. And then you're not. And then you're fine. And then you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and so also that's confusing to everyone around you. Like my dad just came to terms and my brother just came to terms with the fact that I'm bipolar and that I'm not just a jerk. <laughs> 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 but it's like if I'm doing really well for like a year and a half and then one day I just go foo and just run away to like a different state with no money. And I'm just like, I'm trying. I, I and, and the thing is, I'll think things like, oh, this money will just come back to me. I can make it back. It's easy. Mm. But it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, but... I never found a, a like a doctor that would even consider my input on my medication wow. until five years ago. And Thanks. I didn't finally get a perfect match until the last six months of my life. Six months now. That's wow. it. So how many years have you been on some kind of medication since I was 24. Now, on and off, because I would get tired of twitching, and I would be mm-hmm. like, I am I feel okay again, and I'll get, go off of it. Yeah. I, I would be fine for like a year, and then I would be completely bonkers, and it would be obvious, and I'd have to go back into the hospital. And um, uh, Yeah. How old are you now? 46. Wow. It yeah. took a few years to get it right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, over 20 years to finally get it correct. Lord. Yeah. Yeah, people, if you're listening to this, then you and you don't have any experience with uh, psychotropic medications. Now you know. Now you know what it's like. (laughs) Um, I didn't have to search for 20 years, thank God. But um, it was an experience. 
and I think I'm still kind of struggling with my medication too. It's, I don't know how you get it right. <laughs> Honestly. Listen, um, I actually, mine was a fluke to be honest. I was like, man, I just have like RLS or something. Cause it was still the, the, yeah. and so they gave me gabapentin for sleep. Okay. And they just gave me 300 milligrams, and at first that worked, but then eventually I have a manic episode and it doesn't work anymore. But then they, he upped it to 600 milligrams, and now I just go to sleep at a time that is normal every day, and I get up at a time that is normal every day. And I have never wow. done that, not for a six-month stint, even those, like, one year where I was all right. Mm-hmm. I was still, like, having insomnia constantly. Like, that was a thing. And now even my, like, when I, I'm like, oh, I need to get to sleep. It's like an hour later than the time I needed to go to sleep. Yeah. And it's usually because I need to put my phone down. Yeah. Right. Or I'm like, oh, I got, I'll go ahead and do the bills now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Since the check jumped into the bank account. Um, and it, it doesn't really have to do with like being unable to sleep and wishing for sleep and really mm-hmm. wanting to sleep. Like I lost many, there. many jobs that way. And they would be like, just, why aren't you coming in? Call me and cuss me out. And I'm like, listen, I didn't go to bed until 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Well, you shouldn't have partied. I didn't. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, sure. Were there nights that I partied? Usually I could go to work if I partied all night. Mm. <laughs> but if I'm fighting and I'm like, I really just wish I was sleeping. Yeah. Then no. <laughs> Insomnia needs to be a legitimate excuse for taking off work, in my opinion. Uh, because if you don't sleep all night, then you become a danger. You know, if you yeah. don't want to be on the road driving to work um, yeah. with no sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Especially if, like, this is the third day of no sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's usually what would get me. I would be like, okay, I can't. I can't. I can't even move. I. Sorry that I suck bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um well let's talk about music music yeah yeah this music saved my life because how's that um when you're bipolar a lot of people talk about the mania and the depression but in our society it's not okay to be sad for a long time especially mm. if you're like like i had my son every weekend i wasn't allowed to just sit there and be sad so i just got mad about it i was mad that people wouldn't be understanding about me being mentally ill i was mad that i had to kind of hide who i was because it's not socially acceptable to say that you have mental illness especially well it's becoming more socially acceptable Mm -hmm. which i really appreciate about society right now um, but I think that has to do with, like, the the internet has its pros and cons, but one of the pros is that a lot of disabled people can get together and know who each other are. Ah, that's how we met. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I was angry. I was angry. I was really, really angry. And so I started a band, and I just yelled about it. Yelled about everything that made me mad. I, I mean... I had some offensive songs. Uh, I stole a song out of my uh, boyfriend's lyric book 
And uh, it was our most popular song. I don't, I don't know how... It, do, are you allowed to swear in podcasts? I don't know how this works. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I wrote this song called I Like And that song is not to make guys like me. It is to say, I like sex. (laughs) And if you don't want a woman who likes sex, you're probably a rapist. Okay? Wow. And people uh, didn't take it that way. And I understand. I thought it was kind of funny and kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. But the amount of guys that would be like, you like this. And they would be upset about it. And I would be like, if I didn't, that means you're forcing me to do something I don't like. Yeah. Hmm. And that makes you a rapist. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what that song is actually about. It's about me saying, I like sex. Okay. I like it. And uh, I don't care if you think that makes me a bad person. But that's, you know, the downfall of purity culture. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, you know, uh, the one that I stole out of my boyfriend's book was F*** Me and Die, which is about Eileen Warnos. Who? Eileen Warnos, uh, the serial killer. Oh, I don't know this She's person. a f- female serial killer. There's a movie about her made with uh, Charlize Theron and um, Christina Ricci. Uh, I have not seen it. Highly recommend. Um, she was the first woman executed for um, being a serial killer. And in the state of Florida, of course. Um, but she killed Johns. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was a prostitute and she killed the men who picked her up. Wow. Yeah. Now, I don't recommend killing people. Okay. Do not. <laughs> Um, and, and, but I just thought there was something really sad about that story in general. And, um, there was also something like that they, they, we see women as so weak and, uh, equality and serial killers also. (laughs) (laughs) Women can also be criminals. I'm just saying. We can do it all. We need more women serial killers. There are plenty. There are plenty. Uh, uh, No, no, there are a lot. Uh, But people don't ever talk about them. There's typhoid Mary who refused to get treated. (laughs) <laughs> for typhoid and I kept s- killing people and I mass. I have a drunk history about that. The drunk history on that story is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's a whole lot of women serial killers. If you're interested in serial killers and you are a woman, I highly recommend looking them up. Um, and, and the male serial killers are all kind of creepy. So the female serial killers just seem to be a little bit more fed up with society than the men. The men have been through trauma, though. So yeah. it's all sad, to be honest. Yeah. But that doesn't excuse that behavior. Yeah. No, don't murder anyone. No. Don't do it if you can keep yourself from doing it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't do it. Um and and so I got all that anger out, and uh, and, and I and I, uh, I I got it all out through music, and then as I got older and I wrote another album, 
Uh, so that was when I was younger. I was really angry. And then I kind of went through a lot of therapy. And then I met different people that were a little bit softer, not so punk rock. And I was able to like soften my music to be more sad. But it still sounded angry because that's what my voice sounds like. Um, angry, sad. That's okay. Yeah, like I wrote a song called Strangers from Friends. And it's about being friends with people and then finding out they're not who you were thought they were. And they're like, they're looking at you like they know you. And you're like, y- you don't know me at all because what you said about me is not true. Or, you know, your assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I went through a time in my early 30s where people made a lot of assumptions about who I was. And I was just like, what are, if you get on stage, do people just make up a backstory for you? Like, how does this work? This is insane. And then I thought about it and I was like, I do that. We I do. Think we all do that. Yeah. We do that as a society. We'll be like, that actor is wholesome because I've seen him in wholesome stuff. Yep. And then we get really upset when we find out they are the farthest thing from wholesome. Yes. And I'm like, but that just means they're a good actor. Don't take away their craft. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. Don't. don't but, just or maybe cancel. do. Look at yeah. you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. So, uh, yeah, I did that. But I started actually as a, okay, so when I was a kid, I started off playing musical instruments. Um, I played the violin first, and then I played the tenor sax, and I played the flute. Um, And then piano, because they teach you piano if you learn violin. It's just how it goes, I think. I, don't I did know. violin and piano. I, yeah, yeah. I okay. don't know why. That, they, were your parents musical? Uh, my dad was in a band, in an acid rock band in the 70s. Nice. In Thailand. What? Um, yeah, and my mom's Brenda Lee Scruggs. Her uh, dad is Robert Earl Scruggs, whose cousin is Earl Scruggs. Wow. So you've got some family history there. Yes. And... Um, I um, and my grandparents, my mom's mother and father, were originally folk musicians. Wow. So um, before they had kids and split up. Um, so music ran in my family. I'm pretty sure that's a lot of, and if you've listened to Earl Scruggs, you know there's a lot of emotion put into that music as well. Very stoic man, though. Um, Do you think that's how you learned about a safe way of getting out emotions. Oh yeah. Through seeing family and seeing other people playing music and expressing themselves that way. I grew up on a military base and my dad really gave up music by the time I was born. But I mean, you still see it everywhere you go. You don't have to have it in your family directly. Uh, and my mom would sing. My mom would sing all the time. My mom sang all the time. We would watch movies and we would always sing um, California Dreamin' in the kitchen while doing dishes. So it was like a celebration. And then, you know, California Dream is kind of sad song. And so it was like this expression of emotions in a celebratory way mm-hmm. so that afterwards you kind of felt better. Yeah. And that... But then I also became, I was a poet 
I won poetry award when I was in third grade. And <laughs> um and I was it was published in a little pamphlet in South Carolina. That's so I sweet. Won an award and then I was like, I'm a poet. That's who I am. You and are. I, I've been writing poetry ever since. So I've dealt with my emotions and problems and issues that way as well. I have uh, been a I've painted. I was a, actually into visual arts all throughout high school and occasionally I'll pull out the paints and I'll just paint something crazy and people are like, where did that come from? And I'm like, my head. Um, Sometimes you just have to pull it right out of your brain. Yeah. I, I have like, I think being bipolar uh, and also the only person, the only people who don't acknowledge that I'm on the spectrum are doctors and that's because it costs a lot of money to get that diagnosis but other people were like holly we're pretty sure you're autistic and they say that that's valid so (laughs) um i um so there's not an art that i haven't touched and i really feel like right now with writing this cookbook uh that i'm doing right now is still another art form it's just like poetry of food and I, I mean, if, if you've seen f- food, you know that in making it, and it's a labor of love, and nobody just makes something once and it's perfect. You gotta tweak it, and it's just like a piece of art. You have to keep forming it into the perfect thing. It's not just magically, ta da. So I feel like that's just another art form, too. So if you're a baker, you're also an artist. I'm just going to throw that out there, especially if you're a decorator. Oh, yeah. Or you're a food photographer. That's mm-hmm. that's art. Oh, yeah. It requires yeah. skill. I've tried sometimes. You just never do flat plates. Anyway. <laughs> do you happen to have any of your poetry like that you could read to us? Um, I do. Like on your phone? Yay. I actually brought a book. Uh-huh. Um, okay, here's one. This is probably the saddest poem I ever wrote. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's it's about a traumatic event in my life, so, you know, trigger warning. This poem is called I Hope You Get Eaten by a Bear. One time I text Michael to say, I hope you get eaten by a bear. And the next thing I knew, I was being beaten in the temple with a silver white-handled 357 Magnum that was so shiny that it seemed like a toy before its weight came down upon my temple. It felt like war, and I retreated for one day. His parents picked me up down by the side of the road wearing two jackets, cold, huffing asthma breaths short and clouds of dew pouring through beige plaid scarf given to me by my mother. Why do I remember breath clouds but not the time, the place, or the cold? I imagine the police for the rich asking me, why haven't you passed out? How long have you been walking? Does Weasel remember the blood on my forehead and how he washed it away with care? How he held me all night while I cried and shook? I remember my eye crusted with blood in the morning and still wanting to go home to the man who beat me. Still wanting to to not take responsibility for who I was allowed to be. Who I was allowed to be. 
who I was supposed to be, how everyone says I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to never forgive a black eye, even though that is all I know. That is very good. Oh. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Uh, that, 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 that happened, and so... I said I had to get it out. And the first time I read it, I shook. And I guess it's gotten easier now. That is intense. Um, yeah, I've had some bad times. Yeah. One of the things I think that I would like pe women to know, or even just people in general, is if you have a mental illness and you know someone is treating you badly, you do not deserve it. I don't care if you're hard to live with. I don't care if it's hard to be you. You do not deserve for someone to tear you down. Oh, that 100%. Was hard to say. Um, and so, but there was a lot of time in my life where I felt like, especially if I was in a depressive episode, that I would think, I just deserve this. It's okay. And then after a while, I was like, is this just how people are? Is this just how they are? Am I, am, is, am I the problem? And now, when people try to date me, I just say, oh, I, don't, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at this point in my life, and this is just going to go along the lines of, you know, everything's a spectrum including being straight <laughs> or gay or bi. Because I went from uh, definitely gay to bi to straight-ish to <laughs> now I'm asexual. So because I, I have, there's nothing about another person that makes me want to do anything except be their friend. <laughs> and that's it. Like that's all I got. Maybe fight them. I don't know. I shouldn't <laughs> want to fight people, but sometimes people make me want to fight them. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's totally valid. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not hurting people, Holly. You can want to as long as you don't do it. <laughs> Just write a song about it. Yes. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have to wrap up there. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Although you left, we're leaving this on a really good note. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. Okay. Thank you, Holly, for sharing your deeply personal and inspiring story. That's all we have for this week. Please take care of yourselves and join us next week.